0: Houston, we have a podcast.
1: Diving diving deep deep, deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome welcome to Utopia. Hey
0: everybody, welcome in the final, the 18th and final pregame six-pack episode along with some for real or fugazi which we'll continue to do in the offseason as well. But uh, this is our last game preview for the 2022 regular season on the Utopia Football Podcast. My name is Sean Pendergast alongside the Hall of Famer and my good friend John McClain, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and, of course, Gallerysports.com as well. Um, John, I'm doing a quick check here. This is as of recording right now. As you and I are recording, it's about lunchtime on Wednesday. Let me hit refresh real quick. And the charity GoFundMe for Damar Hamlin is up to almost $6.4 million with a stated goal of $2,500. It's up to $6.4 million. Who knows when people are getting this podcast what it's going to be up to at that point.
1: You remember the guy that owns Fanatics said that uh, all proceeds people that buy his jersey? Will go to that foundation.
0: That's great. I'd imagine it's the top selling jersey in the NFL for this week so far. It is. Yeah. Um, and as we do this podcast, uh, we'd probably be remiss not just to just at least um, talk about the latest on DeMar Hamlin and really more the administrative side than the medical, because the medical can change at any point. As we're doing this, nothing's really changed with DeMar Hamlin. He's still in critical condition, he's still in the ICU. Um, The reports seem to be it's going to be a long battle for him, um, but things are trending in the right direction as you and I record this, John. The the league is not going to resume that game this week, which isn't a huge surprise. They are going to go ahead and play week 18 of the NFL season this week, which I don't think should be a surprise to anybody, although I know some were lobbying to delay everything a week. Um, It sounds like just in reading, you know, because players are back in the building now. A lot of the teams took yesterday off in the wake of the Hamlin uh, cardiac arrest episode on Monday evening. Um, it sounds like the NFL teams are all providing as much resource as possible to help, to help players through the the mental part of all this.
1: They are. And that's, uh, I remember uh, when um, 1993, the Oilers Jeff Baum, their defensive tackle shot himself because he had, driven recklessly and killed his best friend. And when he killed himself, they had to come to work the next day. So they had counselors over there talking to the players, and players needed it, the head of the uh, 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 one of their guys who came over from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So they wanted people to be there if they needed somebody. And you know that every team is providing that You know, it might sound callous, but players want to get back to work. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to get focused. They have to compartmentalize what happened and what is going on with DeMar Hamlin. And then they want to be able to focus on football because instead of sitting around thinking about it constantly. And it's strange because, you know, he almost died from cardiac arrest. And I've seen players get paralyzed. I've seen them uh, never play again. And players think one wrong hit, and that could be me. And uh, I, I'll guarantee you this will cause the NFL to review their emergency responses. It'll have teams make sure that players in their physicals are getting thorough checks of their heart and their arteries. And uh, But there's nothing you can do to avoid a tackle like that. It was a textbook tackle, a great tackle by hamlin and nobody thought anything about it until he stood up and then collapsed yeah
0: i i you know and, and i know you're you mentioned the league kind of reviewing their procedures and things like that and i my guess is they do that on a regular basis anyways i i don't know that the league um when i say the league i'm talking about the first responders that work for the teams in the facility there i don't know that they could have responded any better than they did john from what it sounds Ooh, like they, they could did, not have did an incredible uh, job
1: they were on the field in 30 seconds. They yep. saved his life. Yep. He was His heart had stopped beating. He had no pulse, and they saved his life. And I know knowing the NFL, the people that were responsible for saving his life, the league, I'm guessing, they're going to honor them at the Super Bowl. They've mm-hmm. done that before, and uh, they deserve all the praise they can get for their quick action. And the way they responded – on the field, despite all the pressure around them, of national TV, of players on both teams surrounding them, of a sellout crowd in Cincinnati, and to be able to perform under pressure the way they did as compared to in a hospital. when you don't have to contend with all that, it was just uh, remarkable.
0: Yeah, clutch performance, I mean, that's it's what it was, man, a big it was a big stage, no doubt. No doubt about that. All right, John, before we get into our pregame six-pack, the other bit of news that just came down within the last few minutes of you and I hitting record on this uh, is that the Bears will not be starting Justin Fields at quarterback on Sunday against the Vikings. This is significant for the Texans if you are really, really wanting them to get the first overall pick in the draft. We know the Texans have clinched at worst the second pick in the draft. Um, but Nathan Peterman is now gonna start at quarterback for the Bears. Who Nathan Peterman, who might be one of the worst quarterbacks in in the entire league, he's gonna be starting at home against the Vikings. And John, I we probably should have seen this come in the line on this game opened at Vikings minus one in Chicago. And this morning, by the time Seth and I were talking to you on Sports Radio 610, it was up to Vikings minus five and a half. Somebody knew something. <laughs> so um I uh, I guess just your your general thoughts. I guess it's up to the Colts to take care of business against the Texans now. If you want that number one pick, it would seem.
1: I didn't think for a second that Justin Fields and the Bears were going to beat the Vikings. This game's important for the Vikings. It doesn't mean squat to the Bears, other than uh losing and possibly getting the first overall pick if the Texans choke and win isn't that weird choke and win mm-hmm. at Indianapolis. And uh, so I don't care if it's Phil's, he would have been more entertaining and guys and tremendous runner. He supplanted Lamar Jackson as the best running quarterback in the NFL, but uh, Texans need to get that first pick the old fashioned way and just lose.
0: Yeah. So let's get into that. Um, the Colts and the Texans. We'll do our pregame six pack here. We'll do a little for real or fugazi afterwards. And then we'll get ready for the weekend. But, um, John, I guess just to lay the groundwork before we go into the the six things we'll be watching for um, in this game. It's crazy to think that these two teams – I think when these two teams played in week one and it was a tie, a 20-20 to 20 tie, I think the view after the game was, well, that was some nice overachieving by the worst team in football to lead 20-3 to three in the fourth quarter, and then they blew it, and the better team came back and at least tied the game and came away with a tie – And meanwhile, I think the Colts were viewed as a team maybe kind of breaking in a new quarterback. You know, there are some excuses as to why they got off to a slow start. But Matt Ryan did some things in the fourth quarter, and you know, it was a tie. That's unfortunate for them, but, you know, they're still one of the better teams in the AFC. As it turns out, John, a tie was perfectly appropriate for that game because these might be the worst two teams in football now. I mean, since then, as it turns out, the Colts are just bad, and they're banged up, and they fired their coach, and they hired the worst possible Coach, they could have hired to replace him, somebody with no experience who's doing horribly right now. These might be the worst two teams in football right now that are meeting on Sunday.
1: Colts started four, five, and one. They've lost six cents. And despite, and they've lost some close games, like they blew that 30 point lead uh, uh, to the Vikings, to, uh, Minnesota. And they had another close one, but they've been blown out of three, starting with the Cowboys scoring like 100 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and despite all that, Sean, the Colts are, uh, ha- are better than the Texans in offense, rushing, passing, defense, defense against the run, and defense against the pass. The only key statistic, they're not better than the Texans, and this is a big one, turnover differential. They are yeah. in league worst, minus 13. The Texans are only a minus one. Usually a team that has the worst record in the NFL is like the Colts, minus 10 or 11. So if the Texans are going to pull off a victory here, it's going to. I would think it, they'd have to win the turnover battle substantially, maybe get a defensive touchdown. But I think the game is going to be close. I think it's going to be low scoring and boring as most Texans – games are. I'm not saying it's going to be exciting, but I think it will be interesting as yeah. these two bad teams jockey for position to draft quarterbacks. I yep. think the Colts are out of the Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr uh put a band-aid on it on a veteran for a year. I think the Colts are going to want to try to draft a quarterback and develop in the same way we all want the Texans to do.
0: Man, that's that's really interesting, John. Because they're going to be in position to do it. Maybe not Stroud or Bryce Young, unless they want to make a trade. <clears throat> but if they like Will Levis a lot, that name's gotten tied to the Colts and some of the mock drafts and things like that. They'll they'll be in position to get him. And just in looking at their team, that's a roster that if we're, if they're fully healthy, it's still a, it's it's a decent roster when they're fully healthy. Because they're not they don't have Jonathan Taylor right now. Um, they have they haven't had Shaquille Leonard all year. You know those those are their two best players offensively and defensively, and they've been banged up for most of the season. And they have they've had horrible quarterback play. That might be I, I don't know. Levis is viewed as more raw than those other two guys. You know how pro ready is he? I don't know. Um, But it, that's it's an interesting dichotomy because look, they you know. T- 17 weeks ago, this was viewed as a roster that, hey, if they get good play out of Matt Ryan, they can make a dark horse Super Bowl run here. And if, they, if they're if they healthy, I think it's still a decent roster. I just think it's going to be a fascinating watch from afar with Indy as to what they do with the head coach. Does Chris Ballard end up staying? Does he get fired? Does he walk away? I don't think he's going to walk away. He's under contract till 2026. Um, but I, there's no way Chris Ballard can watch what went down during the season this year. And feel like he's in control of this thing right now. I mean, Ursay Ursa made the decision to bench Matt Ryan. Ursay made the decision to fire Frank Reich. Ursay made the decision to hire Jeff Saturday. And Chris Ballard, all you can do is watch him at these press conferences, John, that Jim Ursay holds. And Ballard, it's all he can do not to just roll his eyes. Like his body language is terrible.
1: And Ursay got rid of Carson Wentz after one season yep. when uh, Frank Reich wanted to keep him. Now, that may have been a good decision. And Hersey has said multiple times publicly, Chris Ballard will be back, but we haven't heard anything from Ballard. I think if a GM job came open that he was interested in, they would let him go. Mm. You know, despite how bad the Colts are, and the only drawback from them not being, to me, the top job is you always worry about the owner. And they don't have a quarterback, but usually bad teams don't despite missing Jonathan Taylor and getting horrible play from their quarterbacks, they're still 16th in offense. If the Texans were 16th, we'd be going, oh man, their offense is doing such a good job. And, uh, um, I'm sorry. That's six I'm sorry. That was 16th in defense. And if the Texans were 16th in defense, they'd be going, oh man, they're doing a great job. And they are 10th against the pass, Texans Mm -hmm. are 12th, so they've got some talent. they got talent on that roster. You know, they've got guys that are not playing as well as they did last year. they got guys that have been hurt all or most of the year. One of the things that Texans have to be excited about, Jonathan Taylor in the last three games averages 25 carries, 153 yards, 5.9 per carry, and he scored five touchdowns. They will not have yeah. to go against him. It's Zach Moss.
0: Tough to do that from the IR. It's tough to put up that kind of numbers from the injured reserve list, John. You're right. So that's so no no uh, no Jonathan Taylor there. Yeah, today for the this weekend for the Colts. So that's that's good news. All right. So let's let's get into it then, John. Let's do our pregame six pack here. Six different people, storylines, wrinkles to this game that are going to uh, that are going to matter in a game that might be certainly in terms of the landscape that doesn't involve the draft it's the least relevant game on the schedule but for the draft it might be along with that Bears Vikings game the most relevant game of the weekend um but neither of these two teams are looking at it that way they're trying to win the football game so you go first John what's your what's your first one in the six pack
1: i'm going to if they're going to ever play Great run defense and limited team to say 70 or 80 yards or even fewer than a hundred. This would be it. Zach Moss is no Jonathan Taylor. Taylor has abused them for the last two seasons, killed them in the first game, killed them in two routes last year. The run defense like last week, first time they given up a long play, gave it up 62 yard run to Travis Etienne, but in every other carry, by the Jaguars they averaged only three point five yards. So if they are going to play great run defense one time this year, this would be the game to do it.
0: Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah, Deion Jackson will be the lead back for the Colts, so no Jonathan Taylor. So um so that's good news. My first one, John, you mentioned all the turnovers that Indianapolis has uh has, has put up on the board this year. They lead the league in interceptions thrown, they lead the league in fumbles lost. So they they have hit the exacto when it comes to turning the football over. They're the worst at both of those things. So my first one is Jalen Petrie, who has had a good last couple of weeks from a turnover standpoint, missed a couple tackles, big tackles against Jacksonville. That's a, that's going to be something Petrie just needs to work on in the off season and in training camp next year. He's not all of a sudden going to fix all of his tackling issues in week 18. Um, but he's he has been around the ball a lot more in the second half of the season since that Bears game in week three. He had the two picks, and then he was kind of quiet. But he's been around the ball a lot more. Um, first rookie in league history with five or more interceptions and 125 or more tackles. He's going to need to have a monster game if he's going to set the rookie record for tackles for the Texans because D'Amico Ryans has that. I think he needs 18 or 19 tackles to break that record. But with Jalen Petrie going against a team in the league that turns the ball over the most of any team, I expect Jalen Petrie to be around the football again and get himself one or two more in week 18 and close out what has been, I would say, a a B-plus to A-minus rookie year for Jalen Petrie.
1: I agree 100%, but the Texans need to correct something. That stat, they say, at least 125 tackles and five interceptions in history, no, it goes back to 2000 oh okay sorry no that's my no, fault then. That, yeah. they, no it's not your fault it's oh. theirs because that's what they put out we all oh. tweeted and so I, in their notes they have 2000 and i checked and they said that's as far back as the as it go as the stats go and i'm thinking there's probably a lot of teams could go back and figure up uh how many rookies they've had that had that but it does go back to 2000 another thing you're right about him improving his tackles. And I'm thinking, how do you do? How do you improve your tackles? You can't touch anybody in the offseason. They don't hit in training camp. They don't really give them a chance to tackle anybody until preseason games start. So I'm not sure maybe he practices better angles, but it was mainly that he would get there and he would get a hand on them and they would break the tackle issue he never had at Baylor, but I'll look for him to have another big game. It'd be great if he had a bunch of tackles and closed in on D'Amico. Oh, man, he needs two on this last drive to give people something positive to talk about other than the first pick.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing, John, two things on that. One, I asked him about improving his tackling when he was on the postgame show with us this past weekend because he himself brought up missing a tackle on ATN on that 62-yard touchdown run. Angles, he kept bringing up angles, 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 angles. And some of that is film study, you know, and looking and watching what he did wrong on some of the plays where he was taking poor angles. I think he feels like that's the biggest issue with him is the angles he's taking, the speed of the NFL game, maybe versus the speed of the Big 12, adapting to that. Um, so that's that's number one. Here's the other thing, John, about setting the tackle record is that if, if Jalen Petrie is getting 18 to 20 tackles, it probably means the Texans lose that football game. Because if your safeties, as we've seen throughout this season, are leading your team in tackles, it means there's a whole lot of stuff making it into the second level of the defense. So – That might be good news if Jalen Petrie gets that many tackles.
1: It mainly means he's been making a lot of tackles against the run. I'd like to see a breakdown and see how many of his tackles are guys that caught the ball compared to running backs. Mm -hmm. And considering they're the worst team in the league against the run, I'm thinking he's getting a lot of tackles because of the running backs getting into the secondary. Remember when Jonathan Owens was getting so many early on, then they started updating him, but – the key would be for him not to get many, which means they're containing to run without him and uh, would leave him back to worry about wide receivers for a change. Yep. All right, what's your next one, John? Quarterbacks, Davis Mills, he's been terrible. Jeff Driscoll, this thing, Pep Hamilton. That, this is going to be Pep Hamilton's last game, and I'm so uh, glad. Thank we're God. We're not going to have to watch this offense with him coaching it again. You know, I don't like the Driscoll experiment anymore. I haven't since the one game. They used it to confuse the Cowboys, and that doesn't confuse anybody but them. It would be nice for Davis Mills to have a game consistent from start to finish. You know, in the previous game when they when they beat the Titans, in the last two drives in which they scored, they didn't bring in Driscoll. They just left in Mills. And so the next drive after that, they brought in Driscoll. So, I think if they maybe if they left Driscoll out of it and Mills could stay on the field, maybe it would help him a little bit. But I know he would love to go out, winning a game and and playing really well. But the fact of the matter is, he's he's regressed so much, and he was never he'd had to have been great for them not to take a quarterback. Yeah, I think at most if he'd have been great, they might have delayed quarterback a year, and look at the other positions, but. Mills is a great guy. He works hard. I'd like to see him have a really good game. We're saying all this, a really good game, but run and fumble and set up the winning touchdown for the Colts.
0: Yeah, throw for 345 yards because you're behind by 24 points in the second half. Garbage yards. Perfect. Garbage yards. Yeah, he's good at that. He's done that before. Um, All right, John, my next one, your favorite Houston Texan, Rex bleeping Burkhead. Two things. One, this is (laughs) probably our last game, I think, I hope, of Rex bleeping Burkhead. Two, this is the one game, John. Well, let me back up. Week one was the one game so far this year where he got a ton of touches. Remember, he got 19 touches. Give him 25 touches. Dude, yes. Give him at least 19. Give him 19 in the first half of this game. I want to see so much <laughs> Rex Burkhead. I want Rex Burkhead injected into my veins on Sunday, John. I want to, I want to freebase and snort Rex Burkhead all day long.
1: Oh, isn't that terrible? Yeah. He good, seems like a great guy, great guy, hard worker, team guy, but he's just not any good. Right. He still just chaps me chaps my butt like crazy to Pep Hamilton had him get more touches in the first game than Damian Pierce, And we all raised hell about it because we had all seen the uh, all season program, the OTAs and training camp. And we all knew he was clearly the best running back. And here comes sexy Rexy with more touches. And I'm guessing if they had had, Pierce and let him touch the ball five or six more times, they might might not have tied that game.
0: They might not have, and we might not be talking about the first pick in the draft. So you're right. So that was great strategy. We should build a statue for Pep Hamilton. We're going to build a statue of Pep Hamilton giving Rex Burkhead a play to run in with like it's old school college football, like there's no headsets or anything, like just standing on the sideline with a clipboard talking to Rex Burkhead. And ultimately, when the Texans use that first overall pick to draft future league MVP and Super Bowl winner Bryce Young, we will anoint that that statue as the reason why. Pat <laughs> Hamilton and Rex Burkhead in week one. <laughs> All right. So that's mine. John, what's your last one?
1: The uh defense to give up a lot of long plays, like they did the 62-yard run by Travis ATN. It was the only big play they gave up, but give up two or three more. I don't know who Two maybe Michael Pittman Mm -hmm. catches a long pass from Sam Ellinger. Maybe Ellinger has the best game of his career, even going back to UT, but that the the defense will allow some touchdowns uh, like, like they did against the Jaguars. And uh, so you got to make sure this defense doesn't come up with a Herculean effort and gets four or five turnovers. And it's possible against the Colts, of course, as you mentioned, earlier but we need this defense to play just bad enough to lose
0: I'll be so glad when we're not in this mode anymore John when we're not in this mode of like okay six things to watch to make sure the Texans lose a football (laughs) game I'll be so glad when. and by the way if they're bad again next year but Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are a quarterback I'll be hoping they win in week 18 I won't be as needy for the first overall pick you know if they're not looking for a quarterback and they're you know they draft fourth instead of first then whatever uh you know then 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 uh i'm cool with that but as long as they need a quarterback you don't get many looks at it like this and you don't get many quarterbacks coming into the league like bryce young john my last one before we get to for real or fugazi is completely selfish and it's self-promoting um but it's week 18 and i haven't done much of that My last thing to watch in this game is really something to listen to. I think listeners to this podcast, fans of the Texans, should be fascinated to listen to the post-game show on uh, Sports Radio 610 after this game because it's going to be the weirdest experience ever where if the Texans lose, it's going to be a celebratory environment with people all fired up about what they should do with the first pick in the draft. If they win, I guarantee the phone lines will be jammed with people pissed off that they won that football game. It'll be the weirdest post-game show of all time, but I promise it will be entertaining.
1: You guys will come on and go, well, the Texans, oh, boy, they came back and they won 30-27. <laughs> exactly right. Blown the first night. It's going to take multiple picks to swap with the Bears. Can you imagine if the Bears have the first pick and they don't want a quarterback, and then they say, we're open for business. There's so many teams that need a quarterback. Yes. And maybe the thing right now, and this could all change, is there's not one that stands out. Now, maybe Bryce Young is number one, clearly. Or C.J. Stroud, or they're both one, two. But right now, the Bears will take the best offer, and the Texans have eleven draft choices, including their two ones, and they'd have to give up their top one. And why not? The Bears ask for Cleveland's number one. If I'm Casario, I'm trying to give away those picks next year, not this year.
0: Yep, yep. I, I'm I would agree. All right, John. Um, prediction for this game. By the way,
1: I'm I'm going with the. Uh, let's see. If I pick the Texans, I picked the Texans on the pregame show last week to beat Jacksonville, didn't I? Yeah, you were a
0: little off on that
1: one. Yeah, <laughs> I did. So I, and they lost. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to take the Texans, beat the Colts. Let's see, 27-7. 20,
0: okay. Wow. A blowout, huh?
1: a blowout for the texans and i hope i'm wrong.
0: Okay, yep. I'm I'm picking the texans as well. I legitimately think they're going to win this game. I don't like I because that's the way this year's gone, but 23 to 16 will be my prediction for that game. All right, John, you ready to do a few for real or fugazis here? For real. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's start with this one. So for those who aren't unfamiliar with this segment, we enjoy this. It's, uh, I read statements emphatically to John as if I believe them. And then John tells me if he agrees, thinks they're true, i.e. they're for real, or he thinks they're false, they're stupid, they're dumb, i.e. Bugazi. Gazy yeah, it's Italian for counterfeit. All right, uh, this time next year, actually, let me back up. Week one of 2023, Tom Brady will be a Las Vegas Raider, for real or Fugazi?
1: I like that because I'm looking at all the destinations. Even if they re-sign Jared Stenham, say he has a great game against the Chiefs, and they re-sign him. Now, there's a quarterback, Nick Casario, knows very well from New England. Mm -hmm. And if he, you know, it's only a two-game showcase for him. But he looked really good at the 49ers and casario and him were tight i was told uh when they were together and in new england so it just seems like a natural landing spot to go back with josh mcdaniels and see if they can rekindle some of that magic with the patriots with with las vegas and i'm gonna say i agree okay and then they could resign jared stedham and make him a backup or they could just let Jared Stidham go and bring back Brady and then find him back up somewhere else.
0: Do you think there's a chance Stidham winds up here, given the ties to Casario and the ties – he'll be a free agent. It wouldn't have to be a trade or anything like that. And the ties geographically that he's got to the state of Texas and the city of Houston?
1: He could have gotten him for six, and he didn't. He'd rather have gone with Davis Mills, yeah. Kyle Allen, and Jeff Driscoll. That's so, horrible. So – and so I've never understood why he didn't. And maybe he didn't. We don't know about it. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, when our Browse was at Baylor and he had he had stolen Stidham, who went to Stephenville where brows had been a great coach, from Texas tech, he committed to him and he told me, he said, this kid has a chance to be better than Robert, meaning RG three, yep. Robert Griffin, the third. And when he had to play as a freshman, he was really good. Then he got hurt. Then the scandal came the next year. And I've always remembered that. And then when he had such a great game against D'Amico Ryan's and the best defense in the NFL, I remembered that if he turns around and does it again, against the chiefs in a game, the chiefs got to win. Uh, that he's going to make a little money
0: He might he might yep yep son-in-law of tad brown our good friend the former president of the rockets and current president and ceo of the philadelphia 76ers and the new jersey devils and to me, a soccer team in that portfolio. You know they went after the Broncos too, John. That that group, uh, they the did. Tad's part of. Yeah,
1: I think I hope Tad's doing great. One of the all time great guys.
0: He's taking me and Amy to a New Jersey Devils game in March when we go up to New York for Lopez's son's wedding.
1: Good for you. That'll be yeah. a lot of fun.
0: I can't wait. All right, for real Fugazi. John. There are three eight and eight teams vying for the last playoff spot in each conference in the AFC. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, and the Miami Dolphins. For real or fugazi? because New England has the greatest coach of all time, they are the most dangerous of those three eight and eight teams.
1: I'm going to say that, uh, boy, Mac Jones versus Kenny Pickett, I'm going to say that's for real. Okay. Now, if the Dolphins had Tua to Tonga-Vailoa, they don't even have Teddy Bridgewater – they're playing rookie Shaq Thompson. So I think they're going to be out and the we, everybody loves to see Mike Tomlin win and continue his streak of never having a losing record. I think that's going to happen. I think they're going to beat Cleveland, which would be good for Houston, but I think the Patriots who play, who do they play? The bills,
0: the bills. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think they're going to lose that game. And, uh, If they lose and Pittsburgh wins, I'm guessing Pittsburgh's in. Yeah. Especially if the Dolphins lose. So I would say they are the most dangerous, but because of the quality of the competition and the bills, I'm guessing are going to want to win one for Hamlin. We will be very emotional. And uh, so I think the Steelers will slip in. And I think it's great for the playoffs to have the Steelers in there.
0: I do too. I think it's great for the Steelers to be in there. Um, and kudos to Mike Tomlin. You know they beat Cleveland. He his streak of being five hundred or better every season as the Steelers' head coach is intact, and that he did it this year with Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett as his two quarterbacks is nothing short of remarkable.
1: It's amazing, actually, absolutely amazing.
0: Yep. All right. the The three eight and eight teams in the NFC are the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, who play each other in the final game of the weekend on Sunday night. The playoff spot, and then Seattle is also eight and eight. John, because they have Aaron Rodgers, the two-time reigning MVP, the Packers are the most dangerous of those three teams, for real or for forgetting? real. Yeah.
1: For real, the Lions' offense is great. I looked up this week; they have like seven or eight games in which they scored at least thirty points. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff has convinced them they don't need a quarterback with that top pick, and uh I think that uh, they'll beat the Lions at Lambeau Field. Seattle should be able to win. If Seattle wins, is Seattle in? I don't think they're the most dangerous. It's obviously you're more dangerous if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're on a winning streak and you go on a roll into the playoffs. But uh, nobody, everybody would love to see the Packers and Rodgers over the Seahawks and Geno Smith.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. And, by the way, if if the Packers make it in, uh, if they make it into the postseason, they'll be the seventh seed, obviously. Um, they would play if the standings hold up right now. They would play San Francisco in San Francisco, which would be that would be a rematch of a playoff game from last year, if I'm not mistaken. When the it's a low scoring game the, between the Packers and the and the 49ers in it was in Lambeau last year. I think this obviously this time it would be at Levi Stadium.
1: When the 49ers have hosted the Packers. The Packers have really struggled out there mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And I think that would be great. Rodgers against the NFL's number one defense. And D'Amico Ryans, who we all respect and like, who covered him during his six years with the Texans, is going to be a head coach. And And uh, the, the game I'm most interested in, I'm assuming the Eagles will win and they'll get home field advantage, is the Cowboys going to Tampa at yeah. a time when Brady seems to be – playing a lot better as he's getting ready for the playoffs and see the Cowboys go in there and lose and their fans would be devastated
0: oh yeah that that'll be that'll be sweet no doubt about that um all right John next one we got a few more for real or fugazi the league will end up calling the Buffalo Cincinnati game a no contest for real or fugazi
1: I think that's for real, just because it's easier for everyone. It's not good for Buffalo. Buffalo has a chance to get home field advantage. That'll go to Kansas City unless the Chiefs blow the Raiders game in Las Vegas. But it affects the fewest people. One of the things that Roger Goodell will do, he'll talk to the two owners. He'll especially talk to the Bagula family that owns the Bills and see how they feel about it. And uh, then, of course, he'll talk to Mike Brown. Mike Brown's been around longer than any owner in the NFL, and he's not somebody that Roger Goodell calls every week like Bob Kraft, but he is somebody he respects his opinion. And um, it's it even though it would be easy to move every round of the playoffs back a week, like they've done that before, like in 9-11, it would just be so, it'd be so much easier if they just – declared it a no contest like it never existed
0: yeah I mean they're gonna have to push the entire postseason back a week if they want to play that game there's just no other there's no there's no way around it there's also unfortunately in doing the math no way around that game not being meaningful you know regardless of what the outcomes are of all the games there is some sort of whether it's Cincinnati losing to Baltimore and then meaning that hey you know Cincinnati needs to play a full schedule because they end up tying Baltimore in the standings you know even though they're a game ahead if they lose to him this week. Baltimore wins the division because they're two and zero against the Bengals, and then there's a whole tiebreaker with Buffalo and Kansas City. It's really it's impossible for that game to not be meaningful. But you're right, like the greater good, maybe just to move along with the playoffs and leave that week in between. The conference title games in the Super Bowl. The
1: Sean, can you imagine if on Wild Card Weekend, the only game being played, Sunday night, NBC, National TV, Uh-oh. between the the Bills at the Bengals, can you imagine the audience for that
0: game? It would be huge for so many reasons. For one, it's good. it's a really watchable game. It's two of the it's two of the five best teams in football right two now. Two of the greatest,
1: as- three greatest quarterbacks.
0: Yep. Yep. It's uh so, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, these, these have all been for real so far, John. I've not been able to Fugazi you yet, but let's see if I can get you here. C.J. Stroud having David Mulligetta as his agent eliminates him from being the Texans' top pick, whether it's one or two in this draft. For real or Fugazi?
1: Fugazi. I think that uh, that – Obviously, Mulligata is a really good agent. He he represents a lot of big time players. Yeah, for those who don't know, Mulligata
0: is Deshaun Watson's agent,
1: and he's the one that put the got the clause put in. It was a no trade clause, which was a very smart thing for him to do ultimately. And uh, I I I know that the Texans don't hold him in high regard because of all that, but I also don't think the McNair family would tell Nick Casario don't do that because we don't want to deal with Mulligetta. Now, Casario may say, how do you feel about David Mulligetta and the possibility of us taking C.J. Stroud? I could see him say, you know, we don't like the guy, but, boy, Stroud is a hell of a prospect, and he's moved. if we like him better than Bryce Young, don't let the agent interfere with who you want to draft and leave it up to Casario. And I would think Nick who negotiates contracts and negotiates them years for the Patriots and is probably negotiating with Mollegueta several times that he would not let that stand in a way. If he clearly thought CJ Stroud was the best, hopefully the best will be Bryce young and the Texans get to draft him. But if they blow this game and win, then team may trade for young. And then they, take Stroud and have to do the contract. Good thing, though, that the contract is set for first put. Yes,
0: and you can't add no trade clauses to rookie deal. The rookie deals are very cookie-cutter, absolutely. Um, All right, John, two more, non-NFL. TCU, your friend Mattress Mac laid up a a million and a half on the money line on the horny toads uh, at uh, at one of his uh, many – Sports betting outlets, I guess it would win about five and a half million. TCU pulls off the upset in the playoffs in the title game on Monday and makes Mattress Mac a very, very happy man. For real or for Gazy?
1: For I don't think that uh, TCU, when I looked at their roster, you know they're not loaded on both sides of the ball with first round picks. They have some really good players. Those guys got heart and they got guts. And St. Dykes is a great coach. The spread was what thirteen.
0: Thirteen, yeah. I'd
1: been more inclined to take the frogs on the spread, but uh, I, I'm afraid Mattress Mac going to be unhappy on that one. Well,
0: that's a shame because because we love Mattress Mac. Yes, um, we do. I'm looking to see what the uh, looking to see what the Spread, Although, I
1: got to tell you, Sean, Mac and I do a video every Monday, Yeah, and we recorded it on Monday, and uh, he picked T.C. to win, so I picked T.C. to win. a boy, John. Video. So now the way I look at it, I can't go wrong.
0: You can't go wrong. Yeah, you just said take them on the spread, or you just said stay away from the money line on this podcast, and you take it because you smooch butt with the best of them, John, taking the toads on the money line with Mattress Mac. By the way, the spread's down to 12 and a half. So money is coming in on the uh, on the horn frogs, go um, frogs. Yeah. Are, is there a particular prospect you're most excited to watch in that game on Monday?
1: I love watching Stetson Bennett just because he's a great success story. He's got a chance to win back-to-back national championships. He's like 35 years old. (laughs) Jalen Carter, because he's going to be the highest-rated player in the draft. TCU, Quentin Johnston. And I love watching Max Duggan. The guy, boy, his heart, he's got such a big heart. And the things he's been able to pull off, like the last second field goal victory in Waco, which I'm still devastated by. Um uh, TCU is such an underdog yep. and I know so many people like your son James who went to TCU and that's why I'm hoping that for all my frog friends that they pull off one of the biggest upsets in history
0: yep I told James you were the first one to text me John after that game was over to say congratulations to him and he texted me back a goat emoji. That's all he sent back. Was, Number
1: two that I texted was Gary Horn because his wife Kelly went to State. Oh, that's right. That's right. That. Kelly went
0: to TCU. Also, yeah, it should be fun. I'm Quentin Johnston would be the answer to that question for me. I love watching him play. I would love, love, love to see the Texans use that Cleveland Browns pick on Quentin Johnston. I think he's just a potential game changer at the NFL level.
1: He's big. He's fast enough. He's he's tough. <laughs> If they take Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, they have got to put things around them. Yes. They don't have a big-time receiver. They don't have a big-time tight end. They need a center for sure. I'm not giving up on Kenyon Green, but they need a center. Mm-hmm. And but especially, they've got to have a game-breaking wide receiver. They yeah. haven't had one since Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins, but forever they had Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins. And Nick Serio needs to make sure to get a big play wide receiver.
0: I agree. All right, last one. John, have you had a chance to watch the midseason finale of Yellowstone? Of course. Okay, I knew I knew you would. All right, this is it, John. For real or fugazi? Jamie gets to Beth before Beth gets to Jamie. For real or fugazi?
1: Fugazi. Nobody gets to anybody before Beth. And she's got a plan and Jamie what bothers me about about Jamie in there and is is he's such a dip. How can you be a graduate of Harvard Law? And every step you make is 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 bad for you. And uh usually it's women that talk you into it using their uh personalities. <laughs> And so if I don't, I think a lot of people would really be upset viewers and you don't want to lose viewers and they're not coming back till the summer, this mid season BS today. They're coming back in the summer. Yeah. I don't think they will put Beth in that situation because too many people would be upset. It'd be almost like she'd lose her mystique if she let her brother get the best of her.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I'm ready for a swerve though, John. I'll be honest with you. If they swerved and something happened with Beth, I think that would, uh, it might spice things up. Who knows? Because you know what would happen then. You know who would go on rip. the rampage. Yes. Rip. I, I could, I could, I could do a rip rampage, a rip and run, as they say. Uh, that would be fun.
1: I'd love to see that too. It just drives me crazy. Uh, we watched, uh, Law and Order. Uh, I love to record the shows from 1990, even though I've seen them it's the first year. Back then, they did 22 shows every year, nonstop. They take off for Christmas. And now, you know, if you get seven or eight shows in a year of a good one, you feel like it got to Game of Thrones. It used to drive me crazy the way they wait so long. Oh to to bring it back and it built up the suspense and now I'm at, I'm that way with Yellowstone yeah hey John do you watch Tulsa King I have watched Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone yes do you like it. I do. I would like to see him spend more time kicking ass. Yeah. Like they had a couple of weeks ago that fight with the biker, biker gang, but I want to see him. Of course he's 78 years old. It's ridiculous. He's getting women like he does, but he is Sylvester Stallone.
0: He looks incredible.
1: He does. That's what those steroids will do for him. I
0: know. I know. And
1: I, I would like to see him do more Butt kicking and smoking, yeah. and then uh, messing with the pot business and talk
0: <laughs> John. You and I have the same sensibilities when these shows start messing around with their little intricate business and law storylines. You and I want to get back to two things sex and violence,
1: and with each other,
0: you know, but just in general on these shows. Yeah,
1: this thing about him and his kid, I don't give a rat, you know, what about yeah. him and his kid? I want to see people coming down from New York to try to kill him and him. Uh, either killing them or at least being the hell out of them underrated actor Dominic Lombardozzi uh, uh, always do you remember him uh, from uh, uh, God it's hurt Liv, in the wire Liv Schreiber uh, what was the show he did on Showtime uh, God, my mind's going blank he did it for seven years uh, with John uh, hang on boy, you talk about you talk about getting old and losing your mind donovan
0: oh donovan he uh, was on i never saw donovan john
1: yeah he was like you know he's wearing a rug now
0: yeah he's
1: he's bald as can be as bald as you are and he was great as a guy who was their buddy in boston who came out to la thinking everybody owed him yeah and uh, uh what was the name of that thing uh, donovan i forget his Ray donovan name. Ray Donovan. Geez. Ray Donovan. And then Showtime had a movie, but he was he was on there for a couple of years, and he was outstanding. I wish there were more of him in the Tulsa King. I did too. Send, well, him, send him to Tulsa.
0: John, you're obviously not – you're obviously only part way through your watch. I'll just say I that. I haven't watched the last one. Okay, okay. So you – yeah. Uh, so they sent
1: him – he's gone to Tulsa, huh?
0: He's well, and he's also bald again. Just FYI. So, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to
1: have to catch up.
0: You got to catch up. You got to catch up. He, You know what? Another great show of his was. Did you ever see breakout Kings? Uh, no. It was on A&E. I think it was it was around for like two years. He he was a, either an FBI agent or a cop. And he he there were these three prisoners each who had like different skill sets, you know, one was like a computer hacker. One was like a real violent person. The other one was a like a, a, like did a lot of stealing of stuff. And he would always, depending on whatever crime it was, depending on whatever criminal they were trying to catch in that episode, he would take one or more of those three prisoners that were part of this sort of little team that he had to go help catch the criminals, you know, like, so he would, they, you know, they did it as part. They, did, they each did it to get their sentences reduced. So they volunteered to be part of this special stealth team that helped Dominic Lombardozzi catch a different bad guy in every episode.
1: That's a boy. That is a great premise. It's called Breakout Kings.
0: This. Yeah, they they were they were called Breakout Kings because he they were allowed to get out of prison to help him solve those crimes. And then when the episode was over, he would take them back to prison and put them in. They're kind of like Eddie Murphy in 48 Hours back in the day.
1: Yeah, I I I can't imagine him playing a good guy because he's just been born to be a bad guy. He was a good guy in the Wire too, though, wasn't he? He was Herc. He was he was a cop in the Wire, wasn't he? It's been so long since I watched the Wire. I couldn't tell you.
0: Yeah, I think he and was. Plus,
1: they were on so long and they had so many characters.
0: Yep, no doubt. All right, John, we are uh, we are finished. What's going on on all your platforms in the next few days?
1: On uh on uh sportsradio six ten dot I got stuff about the game and uh what it means to the number one pick and why the Texans could beat the Colts. And then my uh my postseason honors, I'm gonna have a column on uh on Gallery Sports in which I pick all my awards. Those will be voted on next week.
0: All right, good stuff, John. We love that. Uh by the way, quick update while you and I were doing this podcast, another hundred thousand dollars rolled in. To DeMar Hamlin's charities. That's almost six point five million now. That is
1: a, isn't that amazing. That's it's such incredible. a great thing. Yep. When he comes out of it and he sees that, he's gonna be like, What? Think about how much his his mom's gonna have to explain to him. Dude. About what happened and what happened in the aftermath. And I think the one that he'll be the most mystified will be is well, how did that even get out? And and of course it'll be a great thing for yep. A lot of people but uh uh he's he's gonna be blown away by everything that's happening. he's
0: gonna think he was in carbon freeze for like a decade or something <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he, i mean literally if someone showed me that before i knew what the date was that i that they'd read six and a half million i would think i'd been in a coma for like three years
1: at least six now, and a half one, million. Of the, one of the things might be best and yeah you broke up shannon sharp and uh skip bayless yeah <laughs> at least for a day <laughs> are they were they back on together today They were on together, and Shannon was explaining why he wasn't there yesterday, and Skip cut him off, and they went at it before they started their show, and people thinking, was that, did they do that just to get attention? I don't think so. I didn't watch it. I've never watched it. I haven't either. But I was reading about it. And so it was very intense, and it looks like it'd be hard for them. Now, I don't know what the contract situation is. Bayless makes eight million a year, Jeez. so I'm guessing Sharp makes somewhere. But there's going to be a good chance one of them's going to be gone.
0: I love how when he tweeted the other night, when Bayless tweeted what he tweeted the other night, which was not obscene or racist or anything, It was just insensitive no. to tweet it at the time um when people are clamoring for his firing i'm like oh yes i'm sure skip bayless tweet he's got 3.2 million twitter followers i'm sure he hit send on that tweet and said boy i sure hope my bosses don't see this they might fire me you know (laughs) it's people are so dumb god people are dumb. not
1: gonna happen the guy thing that got me is uh uh bart uh who's a former linebacker bart Bart Scott. scott he tried to blame everything on higgins and he said all these things on first take about Higgins lowering his helmet and hitting him, and then Stephen A. says, "What? Explain yourself." And then the ESPN had to come out with a clarification. But yet, people are not clamoring for him to be fired, like they are Skip Bayless. And yeah, I beautiful. think Bart Bayless eats it up.
0: Yeah, Bart Scott's one of the more overrated media personalities to me. I agree. I, he's no, nobody's made more off one post game interview than when he can't was
1: like, wait. Can't wait.
0: Yeah, dude, <laughs> whatever. All right. And John, I enjoyed this as always. I look forward to hopefully discussing a first overall pick in the draft with you when we uh, when we convene after the game on Sunday and um, keep up the great work and we'll talk soon. Good stuff as always.
1: If they win a game, that's going to be so depressing. I
0: know. I can't believe we're saying this, but it's true. We are. Uh, Figgy Fig, we thank you for getting this podcast to everybody. We always uh, appreciate you guys listening, downloading, sharing, giving us a five-star rating. If you think we deserve it, hit that subscribe button so you get it to your phone or your mobile device or your computer, wherever it is you listen to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it. It's it, as draft season gets here, we're gonna be popping with the draft coverage on the Utopia Football Podcast. So there is that as well. For the Hall of Famer John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. Oh, quick reminder: we will have a mailbag episode next week. HOU Mailbag at gmail.com. HOU Mailbag at gmail.com. For John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you next week as we head into the off-season here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.